This episode of the Open Guard Cast is brought to you by Electrum Performance. Go to electrumperformance.com. You can look at all their strength and conditioning plans. They're tailored specifically for jiu-jitsu athletes. Different plans that you can check out. There's full body workouts. Uh, there's different variations with like free weights or body weight. Tons of different stuff. And they're always putting out really good content on Instagram too. So follow their Instagram page at Electrum Performance. And yeah, we're really excited for this episode. This is going to be episode 98. We have uh, Ram Ananda, who's a uh, black belt under Cobrinha. So Ram, thanks for joining me. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Been, uh, I've been on a podcast in a while. Yeah. Yeah. So we have a mutual friend that, uh, that you got to train with and he mentioned training with you and, and how tough you were. So I definitely wanted to jump on the opportunity to get you on the podcast. Cause I think you have a really, really cool and unique story in jujitsu. Yeah, maybe. I feel like it's everyone. <laughs> I feel like, you know, I feel like it's the cliche story personally. Okay. So do you want to start talking about just like how you got into the sport? Like what initially got you interested um, in jujitsu and then where you started training when you first got into it? Okay. Sounds fair. Uh, initially I just watched like a bunch of movies growing up and, uh, you know, a bunch of Jean-Claude movies where like the guy doesn't know anything. And then eventually he, you know, defeats like the final boss. And that's basically, <laughs> you know, I, I feel like that's basically what you're trying to go for in every, uh, training scenario or like, every origin story. Also, I read a lot of comics and uh, <laughs> I kind of just envision myself as like one of those people. And I wonder what everyone else's like story is. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I mean, at least what, like, like when you read a comic book or see something like that, do you see yourself as that person? Yeah, I think most people do. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, <laughs> or at least like, imagine a scenario where they, they could be in, in those shoes. <laughs> yeah. But um, let's see, um, I, was, uh, I, I was at college in terms of like starting jujitsu. Mm -hmm. And uh, we used to, I used to, I was at the judo, they had a judo class and it was awesome because uh, we would actually like full spar judo. And I did that for a year. And uh, so we would do like uh, newaza, like on the knees. And I actually thought I was really good because mm -hmm. I, would, I would beat up the people there. And then eventually, like, um, they had a, they had a open mat at San Francisco City College, which was like a different college. And uh, there were like, so I went and I was like, cool, I'm just going to beat up all the people there, too. And uh, this short little Filipino guy, he was probably like 5'5 five, five and like pretty rotund. He, uh, <laughs> I rolled with him. He was a blue belt. Mm -hmm. And I have no idea like where he was from or whatever, because there was never, there was just one open mat. You know, you would think it was like a consistent thing. Yeah. But uh, it was just like an isolated event. And um, I rolled with him and he just, he just destroyed me. You know, it was like, uh, if you've ever had that dream where someone's chasing you and it's like a dark figure and you're just stuck in the mud like that was my experience with him. And he was like really short, maybe a little bit fat. And he just beat the, he just beat the shit out of me. And, uh, then from then on I signed up, I, I did like, uh, I moved to Portland for some reason after that I lived there for like, yeah, of course. And, uh, and so I, I lived there for 
I lived there for two months and I started to go to uh, Impact Jiu-Jitsu. And uh, as soon as I started, I was already doing two-a-days. Because I was just like already addicted to jujitsu. Yeah, right from the jump. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, and then I moved to the Philippines for two years. Um, and, I, and I was over there for two years. I was doing nursing school. So mm -hmm. I was only training. So from going to like two-a-days and then uh, for two months. And then uh, I was basically on vacation trying to find a nursing school. Found a nursing school. And then I would only... Uh, I would only spar like maybe 15 minutes a day and I, and I was in school like full time. So I wouldn't really train all the time either. So, so that was going on. And then, uh, I finally moved back to America and, uh, what happened? Oh, I moved to Paragon. I moved to Paragon for six months and then I was back to two days again. <laughs> And uh, I, I was a blue belt at that time. Prior to that, Sean Williams, uh, if you know Sean Williams, yep, he does a bunch definitely. of like the flow grappling stuff. Mm -hmm. He uh, he gave me my blue belt because uh, I had oh, vacationed awesome. uh, after a year. And so after a year, I got my blue belt, which was super mm -hmm. cool. And then uh, I went back to that school. But at that time, he left and uh, I had gone to Paragon and it was Sean Flannery. And then I left after six months of that Paragon, which was uh, Hollywood BJJ. And then I went to Cabrinha's. And that was, uh, that was after Worlds um, 2011. Okay. So, so how I, old I've were you when you since. first got into training? I started at 30. 30. That's, yeah. that's crazy because for people who don't know, you won the Worlds at Blue Belt and at Brown Belt, but it was in the adult division. But you didn't start training till you were thirty. That's that's pretty crazy. I feel like that's a very unique, very unique thing. Yeah, I guess. Doesn't everyone <laughs> do that? They win the world. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wins the world starting at thirty. Especially yeah. nowadays, it's really changing. Most people start in their mid thirties. Even it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, not well. Yeah. I mean, now, like, uh, I mean. They have like you know really good kids at whatever age you know yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so do you want do you want to talk a little bit about when you first started getting into like competition like you i know you said you were training two days when you started so you were obviously had like competitive aspirations but when did you first start competing in either like local tournaments or ibjjf tournaments um oh the first tournament i did was at uh white belt obviously and uh I guess I was about three or four months in for jujitsu for a jujitsu tournament, mm -hmm. and um, let's see, I don't know. They were telling me like the weight classes and stuff, and I was like, I think I'm just gonna try and do like the lightest weight class possible. So uh, instead of doing like feather, I probably weighed, I don't know, probably like 140 pounds at the time, eh, maybe a little bit more. But uh, I did light feather. And, uh, and I did some judo and basically I was just like judo throwing people like at white belt, <laughs> you can get away with a lot of, uh, like wins and not knowing how to do any jujitsu as long as you just have some judo, at least at the start. Yeah. Not at the lower weight divisions though. Cause, uh, the guards are too good. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, when's the last time you saw like some dude at, 
light feather when when were these two like standing up and doing like uh you know randori against each other <laughs> not often <laughs> like not in the last 10 years yeah or plus yeah so so that was your first competition experience like using judo and being a white belt having having some knowledge probably that the other guys didn't have like when did you feel like you wanted to uh, make competition like a priority in your life. Like, when was it something that you were like, okay, I need to reorganize my life around training so that I can be a high-level competitor? Oh, um, never. <laughs> I've, never. never thought, <laughs> I've never thought that until now. Um, yeah, I've never considered myself like a full-time jiu-jitsu person, although uh, maybe I've just never really thought of it that way because um, I've basically you know, tapered my life or uh, kind of adapted it, you know, just to do jujitsu. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk about what it was like training for, uh, for the Worlds when you won it as a blue belt? Like, what was the training like leading up to that? What was your, like, perception of the tournament? Did you know that the Worlds was the biggest tournament? I mean, obviously it's called Worlds, but, you know, some tournaments are called Worlds and they're, they don't have the prestige of the IBJJF Worlds. So what, what was it like, like, training for that tournament and then... Um, what was your perception of, of the event before you competed? Oh, okay. That's a good one. Um, let's see. So I had uh, done Worlds the year prior. Um, and uh, I lost in like my third match. I had a bye and then I won a match and then I lost my third match. Right. So I had done it the mm -hmm. year prior and uh, I was just doing all the same thing. I think I was just like um, a year better a year more far like more far experienced um, mm -hmm. and I was at Cabrinha's my second year of doing blue belt worlds and uh but I was doing the same thing I would just train like two a days and I would just you know I just go along with my complete daily routine just do the exact same things um and I probably just got like way better training partners you know because you're training with guys from like alliance uh, and you're just learning like new things. I mean, I was learning like a bunch of stuff from, uh, Cabrinha and, uh, you know, it was just a whole new like landscape of, uh, techniques and stuff like that. I didn't even really play passing. Um, the first year I did, uh, blue belt worlds because I had hurt my knee like, uh, a year prior. So I had basically only played guard. Um, for like a, a two-year span mm -hmm. yeah so that was that was different yeah so so what was it how was training at Cobrinha is different than some of the other academies you're at I know you mentioned you got your blue belt from Sean Williams so he's a high-level instructor I'm sure you got good training over there but Cobrinha's is kind of on a different level in terms of the amount of high-level competitors that the gym churns out so how was how training at Cobrinha's academy different from what you'd experienced prior to that um, I think he just has like, like, at least training there, he had like a really good system and it was nice, just nice learning from him, uh, in terms of like, you know, the instruction that he would lay out for in class every day. So that was good. And then, um, at that time we had like a really good, um, comp team, you know, there was like a bunch of people from Redondo for some reason. Mm -hmm. And we had a couple people from Santa Barbara and, uh, 
just so so basically that so we had like a, a, a lot of like you know requisites in terms of uh, you know things that are gonna help you out is, is if you have like a good um, I don't know not infrastructure but you know the people around you are basically on the same path that's gonna help especially when you're starting out yeah so those like people around you that were on the comp team, they're also like pushing you and they're also doing well and you can kind of feed off of their energy and their momentum as well in terms of what they're doing. And mm -hmm. some people are like, a, you know, they had like a, one guy like Jacob Sandoval. He had, he had won Blue Belt Worlds like the year prior and especially like seeing all those people from Alliance like because um, a lot of people would come into Cabrinha's during... Um, you know, prior to like the biggest competitions and they, you know, all of these guys basically had won every belt or even like black belt uh, prior to that. So, you know, it's like, uh, what's the word for it? Um, not, uh, it's, it's like a tradition, but it's, um, like, uh, the legacy of, yeah, well, the competitors. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, uh, I know what you mean. The environment kind of lifted you Perfect. up, like a rising Perfect. tide lifts all boats. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly the uh, cliche I've never heard before, but <laughs> I've never heard that one before. <laughs> that's funny. So who was, you mentioned Jacob Sandoval as a guy who won, won Blue Belt Worlds. Who are some of your other training partners who people may, may or may not know their names if they're like high-level black belts, but some of the main guys you trained with during that time? Um, just people that like push you or just motivate you. I would say like, uh, uh, some, just people that actually like believe in you. Those are also the people, the people that, uh, that like, you don't know, but will just like, uh, I don't know. Like they just set something off in your brain that maybe can like, uh, make everything work for you or just give you that like little bit of confidence. Like, uh, mm -hmm. Jeff, Jeff Obar. He, he goes to Gabrinha. Sometimes he's like, maybe he's like a little bit uh, unheard of, but he has like amazing passing. Uh, James Go, people may not know him, but uh, he's also like, uh, he's just someone that will like really just believe in you and he can like, uh, you know, he'll help you out with like uh, every little situation and like a lot of like jujitsu, you know, that I know he's actually been like, Attributing to uh, Isaac Doderline, um, Rayhan uh, Mudalib. I'm glad I got his name right. It's a difficult <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, Cabrinha, awesome. of course, you know. Um, who else? Uh, Mikey Muzumaki. He's also someone that has helped me a lot. Uh, just people like that. Awesome. Also, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people I didn't mention. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, you're good. <laughs> Sorry if you're mad right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you're upset, Ram apologizes. <laughs> yeah. So after you won Blue Belt Worlds, like, did you did you think that that was a big deal? Was that just kind of was it something that you had put on a pedestal and it was like, wow, I achieved this huge accomplishment. Like, I can really be good at jujitsu, or was it just kind of another tournament for you? Um, no, it was something I had like just needed to win like, uh, for, um, for the whole year. Mm -hmm. 
It was a goal you set early on that you were working the whole year towards. Yeah, because I wanted to get my purple belt. And like uh, at, at that time, it was like if you wanted to get another belt, you would you would have to get like you would have to you would have to win specifically. Mm -hmm. And so that was my purpose. Yeah. So what, what were some of the main tournaments? So you won Blue Belt Worlds. You got your Purple Belt after that. What mm -hmm. were some of the, your main accomplishments at Purple Belt? Um, Naga. I had won, like, uh, a lot of samurai swords. <laughs> and uh, I'm just kidding. I never did Naga. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say, that's awesome that you let off yeah. with that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can see all those swords in the background. Like, you just yeah. been collecting them for years. Yeah. <laughs> Um, if you didn't win first place, they would just give you like a, a ninja star or something like that. <laughs> yeah, a different weapon. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was the ninja suit. It's it was a star. Yeah, it was a they like so. If you won the absolute, they'll give you like a big red man outfit so that you could get like attacked <laughs> by dogs and they could you know a pit bull could uh, ragdoll your arm. Um, no, uh, so um, I won a uh, purple belt pans. I won that at Light Feather, and then um, then I did Worlds that year, and then I got disqualified, um, and then I got third place. But I think I could have won that one, but I got disqualified. What'd you get disqualified for? Um, let's see. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna make a joke. But <laughs> I don't want to get canceled. Um, <laughs> Oh, how about this? I'm not Brazilian. Okay, just kidding. Um, no, but the referee, so we, we had moved and we, uh, the referee had just called, you know, time. Mm -hmm. uh, we were in, I was in Lasso. And then he had moved us. And then when he restarted us, like I was in a completely different position. And then I was like, I was trying to get that position back. And I was talking to the ref. And I must have already had a, a penalty just for being on top and supposedly stalling, which, um, granted, I'm a little bit biased, but I totally <laughs> wasn't. And so anyway, he eventually, he, he eventually like DQ'd me. And then, uh, and so that was that. And that was like, uh, I ended up getting third place and whatever that happened. What was the question? I was asking about uh, your your best accomplishments at Purple Belt. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So basically, Purple Belt pans. Awesome. And then getting DQ'd. <laughs> yeah, that was a, that was a big one too. <laughs> yeah, that was huge. Big for one for me. the resume. That was huge for me. <laughs> okay, so you win Purple Belt pans, which is, I mean, winning. In my opinion, I feel like if you win pans or worlds, it's it's pretty much the same competitors that are trying to achieve both titles. So I feel like both of them are. are on a pretty even playing field. I know, I know more people would say they would want to win worlds, but at the same time, like if you look at the divisions, they're usually pretty similar. So I feel like winning purple well pans is also a massive accomplishment. So you win purple well pans, you get your brown belt and now you're preparing for brown belt world. So at this time you're how old? Uh, 35, maybe 34 for brown belt worlds. Okay. Cause I know Gracie Mag put out an article when you won it. I think it said we were 36 at the time when you won the tournament. Oh, oh maybe I was. <laughs> I... So did your age ever, like, deter you? Did anyone ever say, like, wow, this is crazy, or in your mid-30s, like, most of the Blue Belt World Champions are 
kids who literally just got out of the juvenile division and you were like in your early 30s was did, was that ever a thought that crossed your mind or did anyone ever make comments about it or was it just you just training every day and just in your routine and you never thought about that um i don't know i think the only people that like uh kind of deter me or make comments about uh like my age or just the girls that I meet sometimes. <laughs> no, um, no, no one really, uh, no, one, no one really like uh, said anything. And I mean, I was probably so focused. I just wouldn't hear it anyway. So that was the main thing, you know, like if you want to do something, just go do it and don't be like, Oh, okay. Well, you know, is it okay if I do this at, at my, like, uh, at your advanced age? <laughs> yeah it's funny because it's not like, like being in your mid-30s you're not old a lot of people a lot of like really great athletes reach their athletic peak around that age but it's just the narrative that you hear in jiu-jitsu nowadays like people are always it's a lot of just complaining online about how people have to compete against these younger kids who've been training really? since they were four and yeah it's just what, what you hear a lot of times so it's just cool that you were able to start in your 30s and and achieve like the highest levels in the sport winning the worlds like multiple times um so yeah so anyway talking about the training for the worlds when you were a brown belt um what was that like was that any different than training at the at the other belts were there any additional like training partners or other world champions that Cobrini brought in for you to train with um no one time uh I think I'd already won brown belt worlds at that time, but one time Marcio Andre came in. He was he was a oh super yeah, cool he's guy. my coach. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck yeah, dude, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was he was super cool. He was uh, he was an awesome guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he talked about was he brown belt at the time when he came in? Oh, I guess he was a brown belt. Yeah, he was. Uh, maybe he was even purple, but uh, yeah, I think he was a brown belt. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, he was super cool. I mean, it was just like a day or two, but yeah. Um, he came in, he came in for, well, maybe it was a week actually. And, uh, I don't know. He was nice. He was like super cool. He's like, I would ask him a bunch of stuff. He would show me. So, I mean, so you got to train with him quite a bit. Oh, um, at least three or four times. time he was there. Yeah. Yes. Nice. That's awesome. Other than that, it was just the same core group of guys that you'd been training with for blue belt worlds, for purple belt worlds. Yeah. From, from from my recollection, it totally it was just the same people. Yeah. <laughs> so what was it like on the day uh, when you won Worlds? Like, how many matches did you have? Were there any matches that were particularly difficult or that you were concerned about? Or And, and obviously, what was the feeling like after you, after you had won? Um, let's see. Um, oh, well, there was, it was interesting because the lead-up, like, um, like, there was, like, uh, Nick Schultz, if anyone remembers him, probably they shouldn't. <laughs> anyway, so Moving that on. was like a concern. He was like, oh, yeah, you, you know who that is? Okay, I do. yes or no? Yeah. All right, cool. Yes. Wonderful. So uh, he, was, he was very good at jiu-jitsu. He was very good at jiu-jitsu, and I was like, oh, I'm going to have to fight this guy, right? But then he fell off the map for whatever reason. Yeah, something and, weird. Um, you know, some people, like, the interesting thing about like jujitsu is that like it is such like a long haul. It's like that people at some point, like life happens, you know, 
um, because you know it's not like it's not like I was gonna say American football. It's not like the NFL, you know, which I played in, obviously, being, <laughs> being a hundred and forty-five pound guy. But um, it's like you're being paid to do this, and yeah. then you know, so it's like I could do this forever because I'm making like ten million dollars a year. But like jujitsu is like okay, cool, like. I got this girl pregnant or I have to get a job or like, you know, I, you know, like a lot of stuff happens to where you're not being like completely uh, accommodated for the whole time. So people, or, you know, like Nick Soltz's, okay, I should stop talking about him. So anyway, like, <laughs> but like people just remove themselves from the landscape of jujitsu and that happens mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with like people who are like, um, just like on top of jujitsu, at least at the lower belts, they just kind of remove themselves. Mm -hmm. So I feel like that happened that I would, you just watch what happens. And a lot of the people that you hear about will just go by the wayside. But, um, so what was the question again? Uh, I was just wondering about the, the day that you won Brown belt worlds. Like you talked about some one opponent that was, that you were particularly concerned oh. about, but like, how was the, how was the tournament? How many matches did you have? And like, what was the feeling like after you won? Um, let's see. I had five matches, uh, I think. And uh, a day of, I don't even, uh, I don't know. I lost a bunch of weight prior. I was like fat the morning <laughs> of, so I probably lost a lot of weight. I would sprint uh, and I would lose a bunch of weight. One time for pans, I was running with my dog in the morning. <laughs> it was interesting. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. So we're like doing sprints um, at like 5 a.m. in the morning. Dog chasing you. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know how like dogs are? They don't, well, some dogs, like little dogs, they don't like their feet being on the grass. Yeah. So she would like, I'd run on the grass and then she would run on the concrete. <laughs> so that would happen. But um, day of, I basically was sprinting in the morning, probably had to lose like more than five pounds. Oh, wow. Um, drove to the pyramid. Um, I was really concerned about my weight. This is a good story. I was really concerned about my weight. And I was with my friends, uh, Francis Tejano and Lance Blagg. And uh, we were like in the bullpen. And I, I was like, I don't know if I am uh, on weight or not. Right? So... What I did was I walked, so I was like, hey, Francis, hey, Lance, check this out. And I walked into, because, you know, the testing scale is always different than the regular scale. It's always off. Yeah. And sometimes it's heavier and sometimes it's lighter. So I just walked in because no one was there and I just tested myself on the real scale. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then I started walking back and I got caught by some lady who worked for IBJJF and she's like, who are you? She's like, what is your name? And I like, gave her my name and stuff like that. And like, I don't know, we had a laugh about it. And uh, I, you know, like a lot. Cause uh, one time I like had my shirt off, like in the bullpen and like, I got a note from like the IBJJF that I shouldn't have my shirt off. <laughs> and I figured that like something was going to happen, some kind of sanction or something like that, but nothing ever became of it. Yeah, hopefully they don't listen to this podcast and try and strip you your title. That would be bad. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I kind of I was actually thinking about like uh, Ari Farias the other day, 
and uh, you know how he won that one Worlds? Oh, yeah. And then they, because he he went off the mat, they gave him, like, a penalty. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it's like, bro, you're a world champion. Like, uh, I don't, like, and uh, it's like, I don't, I mean, I mean, you're a world champion. It's like, uh, I don't know, like, celebrating, that's, like, the biggest BS, like, uh, you know, thing of all time. Like, that's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's crazy he's got to explain that to his grandkids yeah, yeah. i just uh started cheering after i won and now i'm not a world champion yeah <laughs> it's a it's a tad unfair <laughs> that's funny so you win brown belt worlds you're i think the gracie mag article said you were 36 yeah. whether or not you were 35 36 right around that age so did i may you get have your been 37 <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't i don't remember so did you get your black belt soon after you won? I didn't. It took like uh, a year or something like that because I had to wait for a promotion. So it took like maybe eight months or something like that. Mm -hmm. What was but, it like uh, getting your black belt from Cobrinha? Um, it was pretty cool. I mean, nah, it was. It was like I think it was. It, I think it was Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. It was. It was cool. I cried a lot. I do a lot of crying, but uh, yeah, like I didn't even, it would, it had taken so long. It was like eight months or something like that. Yeah. That, uh, like I was supposed to get this the day after Brown Belt Worlds. <laughs> yeah. I should have just waited on the podium. <laughs> yeah. Until he, until until, he you. Yeah. That would be great. Started asking, started asking around. Honestly, <laughs> I was, I was so happy that, um, that I had won that, uh, I mean, you don't. Yeah, you're not like oh, like uh, like for promotion's sake. Like I, I really need my black belt right now, which would have been great. Mm -hmm. But um, what am I thinking? Oh yeah, like um, I don't know. I I won. I won brown belt worlds. Um, and uh, yeah, and I called my mom and I uh, cried under the bleachers for a while too that was cool <laughs> and uh but um you know i don't know nothing really changed aside from that i got a bunch of followers on instagram that was cool that's awesome so actually you, you, actually just facebook and myspace yeah 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 back then there was no zero <laughs> no that <laughs> So you mentioned something that I think is a pr pretty interesting topic. Like a lot of times in jiu-jitsu, since it's still an amateur sport, especially in the lower ranks before black belt, a lot of times people, they need money, so they have to get a job. They have to kind of put their focus somewhere else and um, basically focus on other aspects of their life instead of just this sport that's not paying them anything. <laughs> so what did you do throughout your, like, colored belt career to, to make ends meet outside of just – you know, I'm sure you taught some jujitsu and did stuff like that, but did you yeah. do any anything outside of jujitsu to to make money? Yeah, I'd worked. My brother got me a job in the Philippines for a while, um, working for like a movie production company, and uh, I had also worked uh, doing sales for a while, so I had money just saved up. Basically, that. Yeah, so you had those jobs all throughout your competition career, or would no, you take, I wasn't. Take I was. Room? basically not working I don't know for that I mean I would teach like a, a random seminar uh, you know basically starting at brown belt 
but uh, yeah, I had worked. I, I mean, I had taught like uh, classes at this one gym called Fitnex, uh, somewhere at Blue Belt and, and at Purple Belt too. So I was working doing jujitsu as well and privates mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, so you're mostly living off like the savings that you had from your other jobs and then kind yeah. of just supporting yourself off the teaching. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So yeah, I guess that's one of the, the benefits of starting jiu-jitsu a little bit later is you've had more time to make money before <laughs> before you started, so you were able to save up and kind of fund all the all the tournaments and everything like that. Yeah, you need to accrue money so that you can anticipate being poor. <laughs> yeah. It makes sense. That's true. So, so what about now? Are you are you still doing like odd jobs outside of jujitsu, or are you making most of your money from jujitsu? No, still doing jujitsu, um, teaching classes, uh, mainly doing privates as uh, income wise. Mm -hmm. um, COVID is. Uh, I mean, unless someone wants to do an online seminar, <laughs> yeah, I'm not doing any seminars of late. Yeah, but you do uh, a Zoom I mean, seminar. It's, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, let's, uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, everything's opening up again, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. So what's your opinion on the current state of professional jiu-jitsu? Because I know it wasn't that long ago when you won your IBJJF world titles, but I feel like things have changed a lot recently, like, especially in the last, like, two years. I feel like the focus is more on no-gi tournaments, uh, flow grappling is really, like inserted uh, their hooks into the sport. Like they yeah. have a, a pretty big, uh, I don't want to say monopoly, but they're, they're they the own, main they media own, source. They own jujitsu. <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, they kind of they kind of own jujitsu. I mean, yeah, all, the, all the biggest tournaments are streamed on their platform and everything like that. So mm -hmm. what's your opinion on the current state of professional jujitsu, like the shift towards Nogi and, and just how it's been since you won the Worlds five or six years ago? Oh, here, how about this one? This is one thing I, like, took issue with, right? Mm -hmm. Grant, okay, so I'll just start it with this. Like, Gordon Ryan, a little while ago, he was like, yeah, you know, uh, uh, you know, no gi jiu-jitsu is just exploding right now, and gi jiu-jitsu is going to, it's, like, going to implode. It's going to go by the wayside. Yeah, and you said like, it on Joe Rogan's podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's, yeah. Like, it's like, bro, it's like, you're a little bit biased, don't you think? It's like, you only do no-gi jiu-jitsu and you hate the gi. So, like, of course, like, if I own, um, I don't know, uh, let's say, uh, I don't know, Google stock, I'm going to say that, like, uh, everything else is, like, garbage. So, like, yeah. I mean, I think it's a little bit unfair to say that. But, of course, like, you know, if, if I'm, like, completely... I have all my stock in one thing. Of course, I'm going to say everything else is like, I don't believe in it and that it's garbage. Like, but it's hard to be objective mm -hmm. when you're coming from, you know, a subjective place. So do you disagree with that? Do you feel like the gi is going to be, remain just as popular as no gi? Um, I think with flow grappling, it's kind of actually, it's, it's, it's going that way a little bit just because, uh, all of their events seem to be just uh, to nogi, so that may be fair, but um, from from like a, a personal aspect, like if I started jujitsu, and uh, if if I was just doing nogi, I would never do. I would have never like. 
put all of this time into jujitsu. Like, uh, I feel like the gi is just like, it's just far more interesting than no gi. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I just don't want to be rolling around in like someone else's sweat consistently. It doesn't make any <laughs> sense to me. <laughs> so you're not a huge fan of, uh, the, the no gi scene. I do it as like a supplement to gi, but mm-hmm. I'm not like, I'm not, uh, I'm not addicted to it. Like yeah, I, I, I kind of understand why uh, no is getting a little bit bigger. I feel like MMA is like a huge, huge part of why jujitsu grew, and I feel like people can relate no to MMA more. You can also bring MMA guys in, like they just did on the last Who's Number One, um, to do no matches, and they can do fairly well. So, yeah, and I feel like obviously all the marketing behind uh, the Don Hair Desk Squad and all that flows like seem to be in pretty tight with them and the jiu-jitsu is really amazing so and it's different too they have a lot of different like systems and like their leg attack stuff is different than what you see in the gi so it's pretty easy to to talk about that and to promote that but but yeah do you do you feel like you wish that flow would do more because their first who's number one event was in the gi and then every subsequent event's been no gi but do you wish that they would do more of those events in the gi uh, i think um I think they can just analytically, they uh, just from like just searching the data, they realize that that's actually what people are watching. And uh, because Nogi is a bit more dynamic, you know, and honestly, you have to like the thing I enjoy about, you know, the Gi Jiu Jitsu is, is that it is more technical and there's like, there's like, you know, these hyper micro battles within every battle. But then Nogi, it's just like, okay, cool. Like, um, I mean, of course, it's the same. Like, there's, it's hyper technical at the higher level. But yeah, what people can see is they can see like this fast movement, which doesn't happen in the gi all the time because the gi you can slow people down and you can stop them a bit. So what's going to happen is, you know, you're like you don't have to be like a a long term person in jujitsu you don't have to do jujitsu for the longest time for like the naked eye to appreciate it right so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like you know it's like uh my first five you know months in jujitsu and i'm just like oh okay like nogi is like it's the shit like this is the best <laughs> you know because look at all this movement and then you can see like you know there's some like nice heel hook finishes and like the throws are the throws are so much because you can close the distance in nogi opposed to gi Right, because like a lot of the times you won't see a lot of throws because with gi now I'm just going to put my butt backwards and now we're just going to spend three minutes not throwing each other, we're just yeah. having a grip battle versus no gi where like I'll just club your head and now we are like basically hip to hip and now someone is going to get thrown and now you are going to see dynamic throws so it's just going to lend itself to the eye, but just because it looks better, I mean it's going to lend itself to, um, you know, like more of like a newbie for me at least. Mm -hmm. But for me, like, I like, I I just like the gi better. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, I did most of my training in the gi. I I definitely like no gi too. I think it's cool that you get the, the variability, like you get to see how some guys compete in the gi versus how they compete no gi. So it's cool to watch that like dynamic and to try and, make connections between how each helps each other. Um, but yeah, do you have any uh, desire to compete no gi? Cause I feel like 
if you want to do one of those professional events, they're probably going to be no gi. Like we saw Third Coast Grappling um, last night, and then they had, they had like that eight-man Grand Prix, middleweights, um, EUG, which is the event that Jake and I did the commentary for. They're mostly gi right now, but they just announced that they're going to be adding no gi divisions. So is that something you want to do too? Do you want to compete no gi, or do you want to just just compete in the gi? Um. So, uh, do I want to compete in nogi? Yes. No. No. <laughs> I really like, don't. Not at all. No desire. No, like uh, I mean, it's, I like uh, you know, even because I mean, IBJJF smart. Like, of course, they see where jujitsu is going, all of like the flow, and they just like implemented uh, heel hooks as well. Yeah. But um, I think I don't know what it is, but people are just so like readily available just to like uh you know you know be put in the fire and it's like okay now it's like oh cool cool, cool. like i need to like compete and like uh, have someone like uh rake on my heel like for me personally i i, I played soccer i played soccer in college i played uh like afterwards as well and uh basically walking is and sprinting and running and changing direction those are like your main, uh, those are very important for soccer. So I always <laughs> considered myself like a soccer player, like first off. And uh, like, I mean, even getting footlock was, I was always like very careful about it. And uh, it just made no sense in terms of uh, practicality to just go out there, right? Like in the gym, you can kind of, you know, pick and choose, especially if we're doing nogi, like who I want to attempt to get heel hooked by or, or heel hook. Right. But, um, but I think from a practical sense, it doesn't make any sense to me to, uh, like do it in tournaments. Like I'm okay just not doing it. Like, you know, what, what's the need for me to do it? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like a lot of people feel compelled to do it because that's the direction they feel the sport is going. So maybe people feel like if they want to have opportunities on big shows or get paid to compete, that they have to make this transition to Nogi, which which makes sense. But I also, uh, I mean, what you're doing, competing in the Gi, like teaching, making money from private, stuff like that. I, I feel like it's just a personal choice, but I definitely can understand why people want to get into more Nogi competition, just because it seems like that's where the professional opportunities are. Uh, yeah, no, that's true. Like you could make your name that way, but I mean, there's there's alternative ways to do that. Yeah, that's true. At least for me. Mm-hmm. So, how do you feel jujitsu has changed outside of like the shift towards nogi from the time you started up until now? Um, I think nogi has changed. Uh, in terms of like, you know, before it was just mainly like uh well i mean if unless you're doing like adcc but mm-hmm. uh just with the heel hooks like so i didn't know heel hooks at one point and and like even at cabrinos like we weren't doing knee, like heel hooks for like the longest time and then uh then i think really like the death squad came around and then i started doing heel hooks and um and then, then it was just about defending the heel hooks because people were just getting caught in heel hooks and you would see that consistently, right? Especially when mm-hmm. like Lack and Giles like, uh, was heel hooking everyone, yeah. right? That was, like the, that was like the pinnacle of heel hooking, yeah. right? 
But since that time, like people have caught on, right? And mm -hmm. then if you watch like who's number one all of the time, you like when's the last time you saw a heel hook finish? At who's number one? Mm-hmm. Um, the last one I can think of was Craig Jones and Ponza. Oh, that's true. I don't remember who got one at this. Did that, were there any heel hooks at the last who's number one? No. Um, okay. And that, that was like, what event was that? I mean, give me a number. No, I have no idea. But that was like the, uh, the Craig and the Ty Rudatolo and Mikey and Junie. So it's that one. Yeah, that was the most recent one. Yeah. Right. So. Um, yeah, I don't but, think there were any heel hook finishes for that one. Yeah. But like, I feel like the, the heel hook finishes, people have like learned how to defend them for the most part to where if you saw like, if you started with like, who's number one before when they are doing like the, when they started with the heel hooks, mm -hmm. like they were a lot more common. Like the percentages were so much higher. Yeah. So I feel like people now have started to like learn, they're, they're like, they're up on defending. And now I feel like it's back to doing takedowns. Uh, and like, it's back to like normal jujitsu again. Yeah, I feel that's actually that's interesting because I feel like the Ty and Craig match is a good example of what you're saying. Like Ty is known for having worked on his leg lock defense, so he's pretty pretty tough to to heel hook. He's had some matches against guys who have good heel hooks, like William Tackin. He's been able to shut him down. Um, and so this last match that he had with Craig, you saw Craig doing a lot of like takedowns from the feet and playing playing a top game. Yeah, and just using a lot of pressure passing and kind of going back to like you said that that I don't want to say old school jujitsu, but those methods of competing that people use before the heel hooks were so popular yeah i thought craig looked really good yeah he looked great he looked i think really he looked good really tired the last five minutes yeah <laughs> but the the first 10 minutes like uh i think he came out he made a statement like that his uh like that he can do like a lot of good wrestling he can play like a gordon ryan float passing or passing mm -hmm. and uh and I think, well, I think the other thing was that, you know, I, it would have been interesting if he did just uh, do a bunch of heel hooks on bottom and, and play like his uh, 411 game. Mm -hmm. But um, I do feel like uh, heel hooks of people have gone, got kind of smart to them now. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So is there any particular professional event that you'd like to be a part of? I know who's number one is mostly Nogi, but maybe like a fight to win or a third coast grappling or anything like that? Uh, either or, whatever. Those would be great. Are there I any have... other uh, professional events that you like watching? Like I know there's some in Brazil that are really cool too. Um, BGJ Bet, BGJ Stars. Oh. Uh, is there any like particular rule set that you like the best? Outside uh, of No, I actually like IBJJF the best. I don't... Um... What's the one that uh, Flow Grappling puts on? With just like you, you win based upon uh, submission attempts. Fight, uh, fight to win, or who's number one? Oh, uh, I guess it is fight to win. Yeah, fight to win is mostly based on submission or yeah, submission attempts. Yeah, who's I number mean, what, one is I mean, like positional control and submission attempts. Yeah, like I, I don't. I mean, either or it doesn't matter. But uh, I really do appreciate like the uh, just the IBJJF way of. Uh, of jiu-jitsu in terms of the rule set. Mm -hmm. So what are some of your uh, competition goals going forward? Uh, just keep competing. I'm going to do like uh, all the biggest tournaments coming up and uh, 
that's about it. Like, uh, are you going to compete in the Masters Division too, like Master Master Worlds and um, some of those? Probably not. I might do uh, Master Worlds. I mean, it'd be nice to just say that you know you're black belt Master Worlds uh, winner, but I'm not too like, I'm not too intent on that. Yeah. And also, I don't like being in Vegas that much because the just there, especially during summer, like it's really, uh, it's a bad uh, climate for me to be in. I hate traveling as well. <laughs> yeah, we were just in Vegas. It, it's been like, and we're in Phoenix right now, but yeah, it's been like 118 the past five days. It's been absolutely crazy. <laughs> yeah. Vegas was like 110 last weekend when we were there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it was nuts. So is there any, any other uh, topics related to jiu-jitsu that you wanted to talk about before we wrap this up? Anything on your mind that you need to get off your chest? Um, no. <laughs> I don't know what else there is. Uh, do you have any uh, like sponsors you want to thank or teammates, any friends you want to shout out? Um, not really. <laughs> not at all. Honestly, not at no. all. <laughs> What about Cobrinha, your gym, <laughs> Cobrinha, Los Angeles? Um, I don't know. I actually haven't been training there because I was just nervous about like uh, COVID. So I haven't, oh, I, haven't yeah, yeah. I haven't trained there actually in like a year. You've just been training in your, your small group? Yeah, I've been doing pods. I've been training um, in San Diego a bit, uh, like um, at a Stronghold uh, uh, in, in San Diego. It's called the, they're an alliance uh, affiliate. Uh, they were. They're not now. But I've just been. Okay. They let me. They were letting me drop in for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. All right. And, well, uh, thanks very much for for joining me for giving me your time. I really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Dan. Yeah, we'll definitely have to uh, to catch up at a tournament. Maybe I'll see you at Master Worlds if you can bear Vegas. <laughs> no. Okay. Maybe not. Maybe Pan Ams or something. But <laughs> yeah, let's do it. For sure. So, yes, really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm sorry. Thanks for having me. No, absolutely. We'll have you back on for sure at some point. But, yeah, I just want to thank our sponsors really quick, uh, Electrum Performance and also Agro Brand. Uh, Huge shout-out to Eddie for designing our logo and for always doing our merch and everything like that. So we really appreciate it. But, yeah, thanks again to Ram, and thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Episode 98, and we will see you guys next week with a new episode.